Hi there. Welcome to the Jewelry Navigator podcast, an on-the-go source of original and unique jewelry with stories of the designers who create it. My name is Brenna Pakes. I'm a graduate gemologist with a degree in geology. I've worked in the retail sector for over 15 years. After completing my graduate gemology diploma and working in the industry for a little while, I took an intermittent career break and worked for a major airline. That's why I combine the theme of aviation and the concept of navigating shoppers to choices of unique jewelry, as well as understanding gem selection and jewelry construction, as well as metal choices. I do a coordinating blog post for every podcast showing photos of the jewelry that we're talking about, as well as links to the jewelers and more information about them. So I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. So mm-hmm. I feel like me being a younger female in the jewelry industry, I get to kind of show them maybe new ideas or new techniques even that they wouldn't have ever thought about because they are so set in their kind of old school mentality. So I personally think that I kind of give them a fresh look as to like how the industry is actually changing. So we talked about engagement rings. What kind of changes have you seen happening with men's bands? Men's bands, what I've noticed lately is that... That was Sarah Hodson of Sarah Machico Designs and CADS by Sarah Machico. This week, she's my guest on the podcast, and today she'll be sharing how she brings fresh perspective to her family's third-generation jewelry business. At the time of this podcast, we're in full swing of bridal season, and she'll also be sharing with us the rising trends with engagement rings, changes for men's wedding bands that she's been observing from the inside, and advice for women starting out in the jewelry industry. Her command and expertise in design and jewelry manufacturing allows her to see complex and custom jewelry requests through to happy and return clients. You can find Sarah's designs at Sarah Machico Designs on her website, as well as on Instagram, or reach out to her at her family business, Platinum Plus Designs. I'm so glad to be sharing our visit together with you, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So what's going on? You, you always seem busy, like you have these amazing projects, and I can't wait to find out more about what you do and, and where you get your gemstones and who you're designing for. So I'm really excited to learn more about you. Yeah, so definitely always busy. I do work and do the CAD designing for my father's business, Platinum Plus Design. So passes like what you see on my Instagram, like the custom pieces or custom orders from his retail stores or like his own private clients. And then the other half is like, Obviously, the stuff that you see on my website, like my own personal designs, and then the same thing, like my own private clients that I've learned to acquire over the time and kind of, you know, we we do a really wide range of custom work, whether it's like a simple tiny little necklace or like a huge like 
four months piece of like cutting like specific stones to fit a specific mounting or whatever. So we do get a definitely a wide range of custom orders that come in. So how many people are in your office? So in our office, we have um, about six people and it ranges from, we have a diamond cutter. We have two bench jewelers, uh, two diamond setters, and then a polisher. And wow. then me, and then me who does like the CAD designing and kind of like the management of the production for our bigger customers. Okay. And when you say bigger customers, are you talking about pretty big, like, retail suppliers? Or are you talking yeah, mostly? Yeah, so, like, we have two, two of our biggest customers are, they own their own retail stores. Mm-hmm. So what we do for them is we either create stock pieces for them so that they have, like, their own lines to display in their stores, or we do a lot of custom orders for them, which is like basically they take in their own custom job and they give it to us. And then I do everything on the computer and do the CAD design for them. And then we do everything from start to finish. So whether it's me doing the CAD or whatnot, we cast it, we clean it, we set the stones, we do the final polish. So like we're literally like a one-stop shop type of manufacturing business. You really are. I can't, I've never heard of anybody have their own diamond cutter. That's yeah. So like, that's one of our huge benefits is that we have one on site. So whether it's literally repairing a customer stone, like that maybe has like a little chip in it or not, like we give him ton of stones daily. So like we have one customer who orders a very specific piece and like they have, custom cut baguettes so like mm-hmm. that's one huge size huge plus side for us is that between the setter and the diamond we gain back all the time that would have been lost if we didn't have him on site so like when we get a custom piece that requires the custom cut shaped stone mm-hmm. it's literally a two second walk to where the diamond cutter is versus where the setter is so once he sets one stone he brings it back to the cutter he cuts the next stone, brings it back to the diamond setter. So oh, my gosh. It really is, like, a huge plus side for us that we have great resources just within our own office. How long has your family been in the business? It first started, actually, with my mom's father. He had his own little retail shop um, in, like, New Rochelle's type of area, New York. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say officially maybe about like 40 50 years ago so how my father started actually is he actually started working for my mom's father so my grandfather Mm -hmm. so that's how my dad actually got introduced into the business and obviously met my mom so (laughs) then after like my grandfather kind of retired from like the jewelry business my dad actually created his own company, Platinum Plus Designs. And so my dad's been having his own companies for like the last 20 or so years. All right. Do you work with the general public or do you just work? We do. So we, we get a lot of like word of mouth customers. So we do get referrals from previous word of mouth customers. So although our biggest clientele would be the retail store, we do get a ton of 
personal one-on-one clients. Okay. That's exciting. Yeah. So it's, it's nice for us because, you know, we get to actually interact with the general public, which is nice. And it's nice for them because they, we get to truly teach them what goes into creating a custom ring. And, you know, we've had cases where it's a private client of ours and they've shopped around and they truly have not found anything that sticks out to them. And they kind of give us some ideas as to what they were leaning towards. And Mm -hmm. we really do get to create like a custom piece for that personal client. That's really neat. On that track, walk me through the process from the time that someone calls you and says, hey, I heard about you. My friend had this really gorgeous ring design. I want to talk to you about doing something for me. Walk us through the process from the time that you're your first contact to them walking out of the door just completely thrilled about what you've just made for them. Yeah, so like the two-carat cushion that I actually had just posted yesterday, so that is 100% like a word of mouth referral. So the way it started was I received a call from the young gentleman and was like, um, so-and-so had given me your number. They said that you are a jewelry designer. I'm looking to get a ring made. So my first question is, do you know what type of diamond you're looking for? Whether it's a round, cushion, oval. And then from there, what I'll do is I'll do a little research as to finding a stone, or like, usually it's about actually like two to three different stones to show them. I find a wide range of stones that are within the budget. That way they can truly get an idea, and I can actually teach them why each stone is what it is. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I'm sitting down with a personal client, I truly go over like the whole grading scale as to like what consists of an SI1 clarity versus like a VVS2 clarity. Mm-hmm. So the first meeting is typically like almost like a lesson for them so that they truly understand as what they're buying. Because at the end of the day, I'd rather teach them something than just try to make a sale. I want them I want them to be comfortable knowing, okay, this is what I bought, this is why it costs this much, and this stone is unique because of whatever characteristics about that stone that that's why they're choosing that stone. So once I go over with them, I let them sleep on it. I want them to really take the time as to thinking of everything that I taught them. And then usually we'll meet again and then they'll narrow it down to like one stone. And from mm-hmm. there, they kind of give me an idea as to, like, what type of ring that they're looking for. And if this is somebody that truly cannot necessarily visualize what the end piece is going to look like, I'll do a mock-up on the computer. And um, because I actually have access to 3D printing, we do have a ProJet printer, which does a print in, like, two hours. So it's more of, like, a sample wax that I can show them. So if somebody is kind of struggling to visualize what it's going to look like. I'll give, I'll have them come in, show them the wax, lay the stone in it, and then kind of go from there. So like once they narrow it down the actual setting, then everything else is in our hands as to like actually creating the piece. So once they give me the approval for the design, I start printing it. Then we send it to get casted and we get it back. 
start cleaning the actual piece, make sure everything is going to fit seamlessly. And depending on the piece, obviously, it goes to either our micro pave setter or just our center stone setter. And then from there, we kind of like make sure everything looks good before the final polish. That way we don't have to worry about doing something twice. And then if everything is in line and everything is approved by me, my father, or our quality control guy, we send it off to polishing. And then from there, we usually have them come in for like another one-on-one, show them everything, explain mounting to them, explain what went into it. That way they're truly understanding that like we took the time to make their piece as perfect as it can be. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And I love how you have everything at your disposal to show them something as real to the actual pieces it's going to be at the very yeah. beginning with a 3D printed wax. That's, yeah. that's invaluable. And a lot of places can't do that. That's one huge plus side for us is having the access to the printing because we're manufacturing. We don't have the huge stock inventory. So when somebody kind of wants something very unique, we obviously are not going to have that piece, a physical piece like that to show them. So like, that's why we, take that extra personal step for that end customer just to make sure like, okay, this is a very unique ring. We just want to make sure this is the look that you're going for. And I'd say nine times out of 10, it's nail like on the head and they're over the moon happy with the end result. You make sure from the very beginning that they understand what they're looking at and that you're, you're there to, make sure that they have exactly what they want. It's Exactly. That's that's wonderful service. Um, so, like, so. one thing that my dad has taught me is whether we get the sale or lose the sale, I'd, we both would rather educate that person, whether they choose to go with us or not, that's up to them, and we never have an issue with it. We'd rather them, we'd rather educate them knowing we taught them everything that they should know if they choose to go somewhere else, that they're going to get the same expectations as they would from us. Right, right. That's so important that people find jewelers and designers like you and from the very start have the customer's best interests at heart right. and not, not think about the sale, you know, have their interest at the forefront. Mm-hmm. I think that's one reason why I did start Jewelry Navigator is so I can direct shoppers to people like you and like the designers that I feature so that those kind of doubts can be eliminated. Exactly. And to teach them how to shop smart and to teach them that, Yeah, it can be intimidating going into a jewelry store, and that's why you seek out people who are professionals like you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that's that's one thing that I've definitely have learned from my father is that at the end of the day, when we do end up making that sale, our customer service is what's going to keep us in business. Whether we make unbelievably beautiful pieces or not, our customer service for our private customers is what's going to keep us afloat, and they're going to they're going to be the first ones to be like, oh, go here, go here, because they took such good care of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, it just circles around to 
good service, but also that that translates into word of mouth and referrals. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. I really like highlighting and featuring and supporting women in the jewelry industry. How do you how do you feel that being a woman helps you in the jewelry industry today? So since I do work with like I think ninety percent a male work environment and they are one generation older than me, obviously. So mm-hmm. I feel like me being a younger female in the jewelry industry, I get to kind of show them maybe new ideas or new techniques even that they wouldn't have ever thought about because they are so set in their kind of old school mentality. And, you know, honestly, the guys in my office, they love it because I give them pieces that they've never seen before. It's not the mm-hmm. typical platinum three stone engagement ring where like I give them very unique pieces that they get to work on and they truly get to enjoy it because it's something that they've never seen before. It's something that they've never worked on before. So they're still learning just as much as I'm learning about the new designs and like whatnot. So I personally think that I kind of give them a fresh look as to like how the industry is actually changing. What but the designs are changing to kind of really fit everybody's custom taste. And that I feel like plays a huge part into like the end, the end customer because they get to really open the eyes to like a young female perspective could be a huge beneficial part to their end customer. You wrapped it up really well. And these are things that a lot of people can't really put their finger on yet. You being inside of the shop that you've been working in with these these men who've been doing the same thing for years and years and years, that's exciting to come across new things, I'm sure. Yeah. So, like, even, like, um, you had reposted, it's the trillion gold insert ring. So, for that customer, in the beginning, not that he didn't trust me or didn't trust my abilities, he had always given me a direction as to, like, what the look was that he was going for. So, Mm -hmm. lately, he's been giving me stones like that trillion ring or that trillion diamond, and he's been kind of giving me full range, which is, one, is rewarding for myself that I've gained trust with my customer and that he knows that whatever I do he's going to like it because it's something different. Like when I, when I hand delivered that piece to him, I've never seen him smile as much as he did because he has nothing like that in his store right now. So it was hugely rewarding to me knowing that I've gained trust with a customer and he truly believes that my younger eye to the jewelry industry is going to be a huge beneficial part to him having his own retail store. Right, right. That's really interesting because more and more people are wanting something that's different, that stands out. One ring that really stood out to me that I got so excited about, you'll have to correct me if it's not the right term for the diamond, Mm -hmm. but it's the brown, is it the shield-shaped diamond with the baguettes going all the way around it? Yeah, so that is... a brown yep that's exactly what it is so like okay. even that one that's the exact same customer he <sighs> gave me that center stone kind of said i don't want a traditional halo but i don't want a plain yellow or a platinum mounting 
Uh-huh. So I know this customer very well because my father has worked with him for the last 15 years. So, like, I kind of have an idea as to, like, what the style is that he tends to lean towards. He loves the guests. Like, I would say those are hands down, like, maybe his favorite cut shaped stone. Mm-hmm. So when I saw this one with the very sharp angles, I immediately went thinking, like, he doesn't want a traditional halo, but what can we do with the guests that give it a halo feel to it, but it's not like the traditional pave set micro diamond. Mm-hmm. But that one was definitely fun to work with. I mean, I, that, I agree. That is one of my favorite <laughs> pieces as well. I love that. And I, you know what, Sarah, when you said halo, I wouldn't look at that ring and think, oh, there's a baguette halo around the ring. Right. It's, it's all, it just kind of goes together really seamlessly. And the baguettes just emphasize not only the shape of the stone, but the color of the stone. It's just a beautiful design. Makes me so excited to see really different things like this, especially when it comes to, um, now was that, going to be a bridal piece so he's kind of it's for him like what he said was he's going to display it in his bridal case Mm -hmm. but if he has a customer that is looking to um to find like maybe like a right hand fashion ring that's Mm -hmm. going to be his first Mm go-to or something like that so yeah so like that's what he was so happy about is it truly could be a universal piece Okay, so now that you've kind of walked us through that, probably a lot of the customers that you do get are bridal. What mm-hmm. do you see having come into it in the last 6 to 18 months? What do you see trends? What kind of trends do you see coming and going in the so, last? So, obviously, we know halos are extremely popular, and I do feel like it's one of those timeless pieces that, at the end of the day, I believe that, the person receiving the ring is just going to love it because it's filled with diamonds and has a lot of sparkle to it. But from, I'd say the last 12 months, right now, we've actually had a lot of three stone mountings come back into play, which mm-hmm. is nice for us because it's outside of the traditional halo for us. So it gives us something different to work on. And another thing that I've noticed is um, when it comes to three stone, them kind of our customers kind of wanting to mix shapes. So Mm -hmm. whether it's like we had recently, we showed um, a princess cut with uh, pear shaped side stones. Usually it's like a trillion or something very pointy, but they wanted pear shapes. And when I was putting it on the computer, it actually kind of opened my eyes to getting outside of the box and thinking like, okay, a princess cut should have a trillion side stone. Mm-hmm. But these pear shapes actually, because they were proportionally fit to a center stone, it actually did come out beautiful. So I'd say three stones are definitely in. Um, and, you know, I feel like what's coming back also is the classic solitaire look. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of, just plain center stone mountings and nothing else really added to it. And I feel like that's another timeless look that is kind of making its way back because I feel like halos are very popular right now. I feel like our 
my generation is kind of leaning towards just the classic solitaire diamond engagement ring. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. So kind of returning to tradition, but with a twist. There again, it's going back to people making a statement with what Mm -hmm. they want to stand out as being unique, which is really special. Yeah, and you can have a part of that. That's really neat. And I'd say another trend that I'm seeing much lately is um, east to west setting. So yeah. whether it's a cushion, uh, oval, you know, even a pear shape. We did a pear shape that was east to west and, and a yellow gold plain mounting, and it was actually very beautiful. I, we were a little skeptical because we haven't obviously seen a ton of pear shapes set east to west, but this guy had it envisioned in his head, and I, we ended up giving him a lot of credit because we were a little skeptical because it's not something you see every day, and we wanted to make sure that he was going to be happy with the end result. But in the end, I say we were just as equally shocked as he was as to truly how beautiful the piece came out. Yeah, Paris East-West, that you can't picture it in your head, but I bet it was really pretty. It was, and it, it truly was one of those designs for us that really helped us open our eyes. What kind of advice would you give to couples just starting their search for an engagement ring and wedding bands? So for engagement rings, I would say, whether it's the guy or the girl starting the research, I would say truly do your research. Google different shaped diamonds, different shaped center stones. And then that way, whether she's helping with the input or or not, like he can at least say like, okay, wow, like, A princess cut has very sharp corners where a cushion is very rounded. And that way, when they start looking, they're not completely blindsided when maybe they go to a retail store and they pull out their bridal tray and they see five different shapes. And they're, like, blindsided because they don't even know which shape is what. Mm -hmm. So one suggestion I'd say is definitely just, you know, Google is there for everyday use, you know, that's why it's there. So don't be afraid to Google um, diamond-shaped engagement rings, you know, so that way they can see, like, okay, this one's round, that one's cushioned, that one's clearly a pear shape. And that way, when they do actually start the process, they can be like, no, we definitely don't like princess cut. We definitely do like pear shapes. Another thing that I would say is where... Even if somebody referred them to us, I'd still rather them do a little research on us as a private jeweler. That way they can understand, like, what we do as our jobs, you know, whether it's making a diamond bracelet or a diamond engagement ring. They understand that each piece that comes through us is, I'd say, 90% a custom piece. So. I would I enjoy when they actually take one of our brochures and like they actually see every step of the process that we do, whether it's us or even a retail store being like, okay, this retail store has great reviews for bridal engagement rings, or this retail store has great reviews for custom made wedding bands, you know, so don't be afraid to do your research first. That's one thing that I would highly recommend. And -hmm. another thing is don't, ever feel pressured by what a friend has, what a sister has, because you know what? Just because that's what she likes, that does not mean that you have to like the same thing. Right. 
So you must see some of that. For sure. So like one client about a year ago kept going back to his sister-in-law's engagement ring. And the first thing I asked him was, well, does your girlfriend say that she likes that ring? Oh, no, she never even mentioned it. So for me, I say I would kind of cut that out as your guide because that ring was probably custom-made for her. We're making a custom ring for your girlfriend. And whether it's for engagement rings or wedding bands, one thing that I tell customers is this is not your job. Don't ever feel embarrassed to ask whether you think it's a silly question or not. This It's my job to educate you. Never feel like, oh, this is a dumb question. I shouldn't ask it because I guarantee you somebody else has already asked it. So it's better for us for you to ask as many questions as possible. That way, you know, you have exactly what you need and then that'll help you make the decision whether it's deciding a center stone or deciding a wedding band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point too, is to make people feel as comfortable as possible. So they, they do ask the questions before the exactly. ring is laid. Right. Exactly. Right. So we talked about engagement rings. What kind of changes have you seen happening with men's bands? Men's bands, what I've noticed lately is that they are stepping out of their own comfort zone and adding diamond, like whether it's a diamond or even a colored stone. Like we we did one, it was a very wide plain band on top, but on each side of the walls of the band, we did micro-pave setting stones. Mm -hmm. So it's, to the top of it, it looks like a traditional plain platinum band. But, you know, when he moves his hand a tad bit, you'll end up seeing those diamonds on the side. Some may think that adding a diamond to a wedding band for a man is going to be less masculine or, you know, not the traditional route, but... Who wants to have the same thing that everybody else has? So I'm happy to see men, um, you know, sticking up for their style and and wanting to have something just as nice as the woman does if he wants a stone in it, which is, that's that's fantastic. Um, Like, we tell them, like, don't think adding a stone or a diamond or anything is going to... Lessen your masculinity. If anything, it'll increase it because I feel like you had the strength and the determination to be like, no, this is what I want. I want a diamond in it. I'm going to get a diamond in it. You stood up for your own self and your own wants. And to me personally, I feel like that's more masculine than somebody saying, oh, I just want the generic plain platinum wedding band. Well, I know we're getting ready to run out of time. So let's do our quick speed round and then we'll wrap things up. Okay. Okay, so here we go. What's your favorite stone to work with? My favorite stone right now is, I'd say, uh, tourmaline because there's a huge wide range, whether it's a bicolor or a classic color green tourmaline. I feel like they're an underrated stone. I agree with you. That's one of my favorite stones. What's your everyday go-to piece of jewelry that you wear? My every go-to piece is actually, it's a family heirloom from my great-grandmother, and she had the same first initial as me. It's a yellow gold little bar with 
Uh, S engraved with black enamel. That's my every single day piece that I wear. Oh, that sounds beautiful. That's so special that it was the same initial too. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of music do you listen to when you work, if you do listen to music? Well, I get little say in the music just because it's my dad's shop and he (laughs) tends to put the radio on. But he actually, we have... I'd say very similar taste, like the old classics, like he puts on like the seventies or the eighties. And I kind of grew up listening to that because of him. So I actually don't fight the music. So I do enjoy the seventies or the eighties. Oh, good. So you're probably keeping everybody happy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm definitely like the mutual territory ground for everybody in the office. Yeah, good. What's your favorite workday morning beverage? Um, that's a tough one. I'm not a huge breakfast person, so I'd say my classic chocolate protein shake. <laughs> okay. Good start to the day. And what's, what favorite things do you do to unwind after work or on weekends? Um, I would say kind of hanging out at home, just taking it easy with my dogs at home or taking them to the dog park. Just something, you know, since I got all of my energy out for the week, I'd rather them focus on getting their energy out, and it's nice to see them play outside and, you know, give them a chance to wind down themselves. Aw. What kind of dogs do you have? Um, I have one Siberian Husky. I actually recently just got two French Bulldogs. And then... Because I live at home with my parents. My parents have a Cane Corso. So we have four dogs at home. So it's oh. a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. But these dogs are so special. They're, they are. You know, yeah. it's nice to, like, kind of come home to them every day because even if I've had a horrible day, they are hands down so excited to see me. And it definitely gives me a boost of happiness that, you know, I had a tough day, but my dogs are here. They're happy to see me. And that's honestly enough for me. <laughs> Aw. I want to see a picture of them sometime. I send me a I'll picture. send you one. Okay, good. And then last question for, I'm going to focus on women, but anybody, but for women wanting to break into the business, whether they're young and looking into a career, a potential career, or even even women who are looking for a second career, what kind of advice would you give someone wanting to start their own jewelry design business or just break into the business? Right. So for somebody that's either had an experience within the industry and looking to do their own thing or just full on starting from scratch, one suggestion is if you're going to create designs, copy and make sure you have every single piece on hand. That way I've had instances where I've come up with the same design, not remembering that I created that thing a year ago. Mm -hmm. So one thing is definitely, you know, even though everything is very technology based for me, I'm a huge physical piece of paper person. So I'll kind of either, whether it's printing a rendering or printing the picture of the piece, I kind of like to go through and being like almost as if creating my own portfolio, a physical portfolio for me. That way I'd be like, okay, I designed this piece down. I still like leaning towards that piece. What can I do different? And another thing, whether 
you're a young lady or an older lady looking to get in the business, do not be afraid to stand your ground. If you're designing a piece and you bring it somewhere and they have doubts about it, you know, whether it's manufacturing purposes or like nobody's going to buy that, you know, don't, don't just listen to one person. Maybe show it to a few friends, show it to family, being like, what do you think about this? That way you're getting an outside jeweler's perspective and they can truly be like, oh, that's unique. I've never seen anything like that. Or you could be like, oh, that's definitely different. Maybe it's not for me, but I can see so-and-so like my buddy wearing this. Right. Do not be afraid to stand your ground and fight for what you want. Because at the end of the day, nobody's right and nobody's perfect. So I might think a piece is beautiful. Somebody else might think it's not as nice. But that third person could have the same exact feelings as me. Mm-hmm. That's really good advice. Great. All right, well, tag me in any exceptional um, jewelry as you have been, especially for Wedding Wednesdays. And Okay. Um, yeah. All okay. right. All right. Have a great day. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. (laughs) Oh, it was my pleasure. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Have a good day. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my visit with Sarah. She's delightful and intelligent. And some of the jewelry that we were talking about, especially the brown shield cut diamond with the baguette halo, I'll have that on a coordinating blog post here in the next few days. So until then, and until next episode, which will be next week, and I'll continue on with the bridal theme with some new surprises. So until then, cross-check your sparkle. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.